all of his life, he had wanted that motorcycle. So when the, the kids moved out of the house, his wife surprised him on his 46th birthday, and she got him this bike. And it was, it was a big bike. It was too big for him because he'd never ridden before. So he enrolled in a basic rider's course. He did great in the course. And on his maiden voyage, he leaves his driveway in Manassas, Virginia, and he's going through the beautiful roads of central Virginia. And he comes up to this curve, and it's a pretty tight curve, so he does what he's taught. He decelerates as he comes into the curve, and as he's in the curve, he sees the exit of the curve. He's focusing on the exit. He accelerates, and as he accelerates, as he's going towards the exit of the curve, out of the corner of his eye, he sees the obstacle, and it's a truck. And so he takes his eyes off the exit and puts it on the obstacle where his eyes went his motorcycle followed. He crashed into the grill. He was, he was killed instantly, all because of a lack of focus on the right things. She was tired, tired all the time. In fact, one of her friends said, girl, you are cancer tired. You need to get to the doctor. She said, well, too much going on in the family. The kids are doing stuff. I'll do it later. Well, finally, one day she passed out in the house. They took her to the hospital, and after a bunch of tests, they found out that she had a rare form of blood cancer. And as the chemo pierced through her veins, she cursed the God who made her. How could you do this to me? How could you? I, I've, been, I've been faithful. I've been honorable. I've been doing all the things I'm supposed to do, and this is the thanks I get. If this is what you do to someone you love, I'm done with you. And where her heart went, her faith followed, as did the faith of her husband and her kids all because of a lack of focus on the right thing. He stood in front of the board of directors, and his, his palms were sweaty. He'd been throwing up for the past four hours. He, had, he was nervous, and he had gone through this presentation at least a thousand times. But as he spoke, he broke. As he spoke, his mind was saying things to him such as, they don't understand what you're saying. They don't like you. Are you kidding me? Did you really just say that? And the more he spoke, well, the more he failed. Where his mind went, his presentation followed, all because of a lack of focus on the right things. These are three real-world stories of what can happen to us when we lose our focus. When we focus on an obstacle, we're going to hit it. Face it, life throws us a lot of curveballs, and those curveballs can either add to our anxiety or what we focus on can take that anxiety away. Think about career changes, health changes, dealing with insurance co-pays, relationship issues, temptation issues, addiction issues. All of these things are things that, that can add to our stress levels. And if our focus isn't correct, our stress levels will go through the roof. Well, if you get anything at all out of today's teaching, get this. Where your focus is, your life will follow. Where your focus is, your life will follow. Whatever you're focusing on, especially during times of stress and anxiety, whatever you're focusing on can either add anxiety to your plate or release and relieve that anxiety. Well, God's got a lot to say about that as we hit week four of our series called Calm in the Chaos. It's in this series in which we're pulling apart Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Each week, we've taken an acronym called C-A-L-M that we shamelessly stole from Max Lucado's book, Anxious for Nothing. And each week, we had a letter correspond to what we were looking at in the passage. Week one, we looked at the C, celebrate God's goodness. In that week, Pastor Bob was teaching us about how we rejoice in the Lord no matter what's going on. 
And he gave us that famous deep theological hashtag, don't get your panties in a wad because Jesus is the Lord, our God, that moved me, as well as 14 others here in this church. It's amazing. <laughs> week two, we, we looked at the A, which is ask God for help. And in that week, we were taught to, to cast our anxieties onto Jesus, which leads to week three, leave your concerns with God, because what we want to do is we want to cast it out but bring it back in. So we leave those concerns with God. And, and through praise and thanksgiving, what we find is we get this peace, this peace of God that transcends all understanding. Well, this week, this week we're going to focus on the M, and the M stands for meditate on good things. Here's what the M doesn't stand for. Have a Pollyanna positive attitude about everything in your life. Hey, I know you just lost both of your legs and your arm, and, and your, your, your house is a wreck, but turn that frown upside down, little trooper. It's going to be okay. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is focusing on the right things, the godly things, because where your focus is, your life will follow. Well, once again, we're hanging out in Philippians chapter 4, so turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Let me set the scene for what's going on. It's about 2,000 plus years ago, 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul has been doing ministry in a crazy way. It's been amazing what's been going on. The way the Christian movement is on fire, and he's under house arrest. In fact, he's getting ready to be arrested or to be executed by Nero, this evil emperor. So Paul writes a letter, and he writes a letter to the first church that's planted in Europe, the church of Philippi, and it's a letter about joy, joy in believing, joy in giving, joy in serving, but most importantly for our series, joy in suffering. And in chapter 4, he hones in on this thing called anxiety. So let's take a look at this. We're going we're gonna to kick off with verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation or in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul hones in on this thing called anxiety. Whenever I do a Bible study, whenever I do sermon prep, things like that, and a word jumps out at me, i got to make sure I understand what the word means. I, I want to make sure I know what it means in English as well as the original language. In English, anxiety, it's straightforward. You know, it means to be troubled, fretful, or worried. But when we look at the original meaning of this, uh, of this word, it's actually a combination of two words, divided mind. And isn't that what happens when we're anxious? We have a divided mind. You could read this verse as this, do not let your mind get divided about anything. What happens, we're like that motorcycle rider as he comes into that curve and he's focusing on the exit, then all of a sudden his mind gets divided, he focuses on the obstacle, and that's what he hits. And then Paul gives us a remedy, a remedy for anxiety, and it's thanksgiving, that we're supposed to be thankful in a situation, not necessarily for a situation, because thanksgiving and worry can't sleep in the same bed. What happens with thanksgiving is we focus back on Jesus. When we thank God that He's in control, that He's sovereign, and when that happens, our mind is no longer divided. That's how we overcome anxiety. So remember our main thought today, where your focus is, your life will follow. Let's dig deeper. We're going to hone in today on verse 8. Okay, so let's look at this. 
Finally, brothers, some of your translations say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I once heard a story about two kids at Christmas. The girl gets a stack of electronic toys, and she is so over the moon excited. She's got these electronic toys. It's what she's wanted. Her brother, though, gets a Ziploc bag full of poo. And, of course, you can think what his reaction is. Well, her reaction, she's at first all, all excited, and she's going, this is awesome, this is amazing. But then she realizes she doesn't have any batteries. She realizes that the instructions are written in French, <laughs> in Chinese, ni hao shi shi. And she didn't speak either of those. But the brother is so excited. He's like, with all this poo, there's got to be a puppy somewhere. And so he's excited because he's got a different focus. He's got a different, he has a different perspective. You see, it's, it's all about focus management. It's all about focus management because where your focus is, your life is going to follow. Your focus oftentimes determines your perspective, which determines your attitude. So Paul gives us six virtues plus two. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. We're supposed to think about those things. We're supposed to focus in on those things. It's about focus management. Whenever I hit a stressful time, it's as if I step onto a battlefield, a battlefield I call the battlefield of what if versus even if. You see, the battlefield of what if, going to the, the territory of what if, I'm focusing on the obstacle. I'm focusing on the circumstances. And when I focus on the obstacle and circumstances that are in my way, guess where my anxiety levels go? They go up. But what God calls me to do when I step on that battlefield of what if or even if, come over to even if. Even if is, a, is about a good, good father who's sovereign. We may not under, understand what he's doing, but he does. Jesus holds all things together. And we take our focus off of the obstacle and we focus on the exit. That exit is Jesus. We focus on not the what if, but the even if. Let me give you a couple examples. You go to the doctor and you do your, your annual physical and you're sitting down with her to go through, you know, the, the, the blood work and all that stuff. And she's just looking at it and goes, hmm. And of course, you could say, what does hmm mean? Oh, it's nothing. No, you said, hmm, give me the hmm. What does the hmm mean? And she says, well, there's an abnormality within your test results. Immediately, you step on the battlefield of what if versus even if. The what if in you is this could be fill in the blank for the worst thing out there. And God's saying, no, go to even if. Because even if it is that worst case, I promise that I will walk with you through that valley. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How about this one? You've been trying to get this job for a long time. In fact, you've been on unemployment. Your unemployment runs out at the end of the month. You nail this interview. And as you're driving away, you go, wait a second. I said this, this, this. You start second-guessing yourself. And as you second-guess yourself, you're going, what if? What if they don't hire me? What if? God says, no, even if. Even if they don't hire you, don't you know that I work ahead of you, that I'm not bound by time, that I may be putting an incredible thing together for you? Trust in me. When you hit a time of stress or anxiety, do you focus on the what if or do you focus on the even if? It's all about focus management. So the Apostle Paul gives us these six virtues plus two. 
And he does that because these are the right things we focus on. Have you ever noticed that the presence of anxiety is directly related to the absence of focus? It's true, the presence of anxiety is directly related to the absence of focus on the right things. So what God tells us is our focus needs to be on six virtues. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. And then he summarizes it with those two other things. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, we think about those things. We dwell on those things. We meditate on those things. So let's put this verse back up. And what I want to do is I want us to pull apart this verse. What if we looked at each one of these virtues as a way to respond when we're going through a difficult time, as a way to respond when we're anxious? All right, let's start with the first one, whatever is true. Whatever is true means to focus on what's real. When we hit a time of anxiety, we can let our minds go to places that aren't real. We can focus on things that aren't the facts because in a time of chaos, to calm the chaos, facts are your friends. You focus on this day and the facts you know this day. Let me tell you how I screwed that up here a couple months ago. Uh, my, our youngest daughter, Katie, got married, married a great guy named Will. It was an amazing wedding. Everything was so much fun. But for me, I was going through some medical issues. There were very minor issues. So I, I made a mistake. My wife said, you need to go to the doctor. And I said, no, 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 I can handle this myself. So I went to WebMD. Mistake. <laughs> all right, after I read that first article, I changed all the songs in my Spotify list to, to things like knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, near my God to thee. At the end of the second article, I had put together and written my funeral sermon and planned out my funeral completely. By the end of the third article, I had hospice house on speed dial. By the end of the fourth article, I had realized I had died six days earlier. The problem was I was focusing on what could be rather than what the facts were. I was living in a land of what if instead of a land of even if. And here's what God tells us. He's like, okay, let's say it's the worst case. Let's say the worst case is your fact. Even if that happens, here's a fact. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will walk with you through this valley. You are my precious child bought with the blood of my son, Jesus. You matter. So we got to focus on what's true. Our response needs to have that focus. All right, what about the next one, noble? What is noble? Whatever is noble, what does that mean? Well, noble means honorable. So when we step into a difficult time, we need to respond with character, integrity, and faith. Just to show a hands here, how many of you when, you, when you hit a time of difficulty, bite off those people who are closest to you, bite off their heads? I'm that way. I do. And so what God shows us here is our response in a time of anxiety needs to be an honorable response. And he gives us a hint about what that looks like. If you go to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, very popular verses, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are great ways we respond to difficult times. Okay, so we focus on the, the facts, and we focus on what's honorable, what's noble. What about this third one, what's right? Some of your translations say whatever is just. And what, what the meaning is here is, is justice. God loves justice in his people. So as you come into a time of anxiety and a time of stress, you got to guard yourself to be ethical to do the right thing, especially when no one's looking. I'll give you an example. You hit a really tough time, a really difficult time financially, and it's a prolonged time. 
So nobody's going to notice if you start taking, you know, some paper and office supplies from the office. Nobody's going to notice you pull a few bucks here and there from the cash register. Or it escalates. It's something bigger than that. You fudge on your taxes, or you, you end up cooking the books in your favor, or you start stealing equipment and selling it. And you may, may be saying, you know, that couldn't happen to me. Folks, every single one of us here could be put in a very difficult situation where we're one bad decision away from making a moral or ethical failure. So we're supposed to focus on what's right. We're supposed to respond in a just way. We do what's right when nobody's looking. But what about this fourth one? Purity. Whatever is pure. Let me talk to the guys here, but it's also a, a growing problem within our female population. It's pornography. So often, we guys, when we hit that time of anxiety, we want to be able to control something, and that control is something because everything is out of our control, and, that, and so we, we, we develop this escape route, and we think this is an escape route to freedom, so we start looking at images because when we look at that image, the dopamine kicks in in our, in our minds, and we got this laser-like focus. Nothing else is going on. We got missile lock on, and then we end up going, how did I get here? And we do it again and again, and again. And that escape to what we think is freedom is an escape into prison, a prison that tears apart our marriages, that tears apart our families, a prison that can have you lose your job because our response in a time of anxiety is one that's not pure. And then we start looking over our shoulder because we got to erase the, the, the search history in our computers. We can't let our spouses see our phones. And what happens is our anxiety levels actually go up. But there are other ways that we can have impure thoughts and impure things in our lives when we face these times of anxiety. So God, through Paul, says, respond in a pure way. Guard your heart in a pure way. What about this fifth one, lovely? Whatever is lovely. Whatever is lovely means whatever calls forth love in your life. Jesus said two greatest commandments. Love God with everything you have. Love, me, or love your neighbor uh, with, with all you got. Love your neighbor as you want to be loved. When we hit a time of anxiety, we can focus inward because we're going through something. And what this means is a response could be stepping outside of ourselves and focusing on someone who's in a more difficult situation than we are. It takes our mind off of the ugliness as well as allows us to show love in a special way. But sometimes, sometimes you are so broken, there's no way you can step out of your own existence to help someone else. So we go back to loving God with everything we have. We lean into Jesus. We lean in to our faith. Whatever's true, focus on the facts. Whatever's noble, we respond in an honorable way. Whatever's right, we're ethical, ethically responding. Whatever is pure, we have pure thoughts and we guard ourselves. Whatever is lovely. What about that sixth one? What, whatever is admirable. Whatever is admirable, some of your translations say, is of good repute. Whatever is of good repute, it's talking about your reputation. It's something that, that adds up over a long time. And you have a consistent reputation of responding with character, integrity, and faith in, in, in any given situation. People are going to look at you and say, I want what she has. Or I want what he has. I want to do what's admirable. And I look at all these, these six things, and I get anxious. I do because I don't know if I can do all those things. That's hard. That's difficult. But what's cool are the next two things. 
See, Paul summarizes all these six things up with whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy. As I said at the beginning, whenever I hit a, a word or a couple words that jump out at me, I got to look them up. And in the original language, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, it means whatever the highest good of humanity is. So, Sunday school question, slow pitch softball question. Who is the highest good of humanity? Jesus. Yeah, not Pastor Bob. I heard somebody say, Pastor Bob, he's cool. We love him. <laughs> he's watching online now from Costa Rica. We love you, Bob. Uh, yeah, our focus needs to be the highest good of humanity. In other words, the focus is on Jesus. So let's go down that road because it's important when we're dealing with anxiety. Paul writes this, this, uh, this letter to this church in Colossae, and he says these words, Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the highest good of man. And as we hit those anxious seasons, we focus on the word who became flesh, rather than the flesh that can take us down wrong roads. We focus on the visible image of the invisible gods rather than coming up and making little g-gods that we focus on. We focus on the even if, Jesus, than the what if, the circumstances of our lives. So let's go back to verse 8. Okay, so Paul gives us six virtues plus two. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, there's six things, six ways to respond in ugly times. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, if anything is the highest good in humanity, it's all about Jesus. Think about such things. Some of your translations say dwell on such things. Some of them say meditate on such things. That's where we get the M for our CALM acronym. So let's talk about that, to dwell. To dwell means to live in something. Makes sense. You dwell in a tent, you live in a tent. Maybe, just maybe, God's saying, you know, you need to make a house. And this house needs to be all these virtues. And your roof of your house needs to be what's excellent or praiseworthy, which is Jesus. But what about think or meditate? Think or meditate means to have a very direct focus, an intense focus. Okay, 10 of you are going to think this is really cool. The, the other 990 of you, go check your Facebook right now. We're going to Greek out on this, okay? Because it's important. This word isn't very important when we look at what Paul's talking about. The word for think or meditate is lagizamai. Lagizamai is a word for think or meditate. The word for think or meditate is lagizamai. Lagizamai. Say it with me. Lagizamai. One more time. Lagizamai. Lagizamai is where we get the word logic. L O G is to think through deeply about something. In the book of Proverbs, we're told that, that someone who is prudent, someone who's smart, thinks through things. They're logical about it. They don't just walk willy-nilly into something. We legizomai, we think through these things. And I see legizomai and I think of another word. John, the apostle, the disciple, Jesus loved, says these very famous words in John chapter 1, in John 14, in the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, when John talks about the Word, he's referring to Jesus. Now, remember, John's audience is a Greek audience. And that Greek audience, when they heard this thing called the Word, it's a philosophy that governs the universe. And we know, okay, Sunday school question, slow pitch, who is the principle that governs the universe? Jesus, yeah, Jesus. He's the highest form of humanity. So we're supposed to logizomai, be logical, and think about this, about the word. In Greek, it's called logos, O-L-O-G. We logizomai on logos. We think deeply about Jesus. When we hit really difficult times, we focus on Jesus because the whatever is Jesus. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, lagizamai, focus on him. Because he is the one that's going to get you out of your situation and lower those anxiety levels. When I look at the what if, the, the obstacle, when I step onto the battlefield of what if versus even if, I want to focus on fear, fear in the flesh. But when I have that intense focus on Jesus, my focus is about confidence in my Savior. All right, so let's put all this together. Let's wrap all this up with, with, with three things. Thing number one, anxiety can be, can be an authority issue. Anxiety can be an authority issue. What do I mean by that? Too often in our lives, we tend to give ultimate authority of our feelings over to someone instead of God. It's good to give, you know, give our hearts out to others, but the ultimate authority of our feelings has to be God. So let me use an example, an example that I think will hit home with at least 75% of those of us here and watching online. Okay, public speaking. Did you know that three out of four people have a fear of public speaking? I'm one of them, yeah. Three out of four people have a fear of public speaking. Did you know that that three out of four people who have a fear of public speaking would rather die? They have more fear of, of public speaking than they do of death. They'd rather die than do public speaking. So when you're standing in front of an audience, when you're standing in front of the board of directors, like the one guy I was telling about at the beginning of today's teaching, when you're having that contentious meeting with your boss, ask yourself a question. Have I given them ultimate authority over my feelings? Because here's what happens. You step onto the battlefield of what if versus even if. What if they don't like me? What if they think I'm stupid? What if I'm not making any sense? What if, what if, and we focus on the obstacle? And God's like, no, focus on the exit, even if. Don't you know, even if you biff it and biff it badly, that I love you, that you're my child, that they can say anything they want, but at the end of the day, whose opinion counts? The opinion of Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And part of that transformation as we grow spiritually is that we transfer our concern of, of our feelings from others to Jesus, to where He has the ultimate authority over our feelings. 
So anxiety can be, it can be an authority issue. But how about this one? Anxiety can be a medical issue. Anxiety can be a medical issue. Three facts. Fact number one, we are all going to face times of anxiety. Fact number two, we need to develop the spiritual disciplines in life to where we grow our faith before we jump, before we get hit by those curveballs of life. Developing a prayer life, a, a time of meditation, scripture memorization, serving others, having a relationship with Jesus to where when we walk into that valley, we know He's there with us. Fact number three, some of us, a small percentage of us, are going to have to have some medication to help us during these times because here's the reason why. Our brains, for some of us, a very small percentage, our brains do not produce the chemicals to fight anxiety, to fight depression, to fight bipolarism, or ADD, ADHD, RASPECT, Sakatumi, 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 whatever it is, some of us, a small percentage, our brains cannot produce the chemical to fight it. And here's what's interesting, is that God can heal anything. And so often, He gives us medication to heal us in certain places. Let me give you a biblical example. The Apostle Paul He's senior pastor of a church, and it's a rocking church. He heads out of that church. He brings on his young protege, Timothy. Now, Timothy's in his mid-20s. I don't know about you, but if you would have to step into the sandals of the Apostle Paul, the dude who's going to write half the books of the New Testament, I'd have a little bit of anxiety. We don't know what's going on with Timothy, but he's got some stomach problems. Have no idea what it is. But here's what Paul tells him. Paul says, Timothy, drink a little bit of wine to take care of this issue. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, Timothy, hey man, being a senior pastor, it's tough, trust me. And so when you get home, have some wine, kick back, it's going to relax you, you'll feel good. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's not saying. Timothy, this is a sin issue. Or Timothy, this is a faith issue. No, he's saying, drink this wine because wine 2,000 years ago was a medicine. It was the ibuprofen of the day. And he's saying, drink this, don't abuse it but this will help you in what you do. Folks, some of you here have been suffering from chronic anxiety for the longest time. And you've consistently prayed, you've consistently given it to God, you've got those spiritual disciplines, but just maybe you may be, maybe, in that small percentage where your brain's not producing that. So why don't you go to a doctor and get that checked out while also walking with a Christian counselor to help you process all of this. Here at, in Bellingham and in Skagit, we've got a list of, of counselors here in the area, Christian counselors, and, and we recommend that you, you take a look at this. You see, anxiety is not a sin, but living in it is. Because when you live in anxiety, you can't experience the life more abundant that Jesus spoke about. Now, last year... About this time, we had a series called Conversations, where we asked a bunch of different questions, and I preached on this topic, and the question was, is anxiety a sin? Uh, we don't have time to delve into all of that today, so go back to our website, cornwallchurch.com, look at our media archive, and we can explain what, what I'm talking about a little bit more. Okay, so, anxiety can be an authority issue. Anxiety can be, can be 
a medical issue. But anxiety is a focus issue. Anxiety is a focus issue. Where our focus is, our lives will follow. So God gives us a way to deal with anxiety through our responses. That we focus on whatever's true, we focus on the facts. We focus on whatever's noble, whatever's honorable. We focus on what's right, what's ethical. We focus on our purity. We focus on what's lovely, what, what calls forth love. We focus on what's admirable. It's our reputation over, over time. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what do we do? We focus on that. Because what's excellent or praiseworthy is Jesus. We focus on Jesus, the exit, rather the obstacle. We focus on Jesus, the even if the worst case happens. He's got your back because he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a fact. We focus on that instead of the what if. So what we want to do today as we close, I want to give you a challenge. And it's a challenge from this whole series. It's a challenge, I think, for your lifetime. When you hit a difficult time of anxiety or depression, what we want you to do is to refocus and reflect. You refocus and re reflect. You refocus off of the obstacle and onto the exit. You refocus off of the what if and onto the even if. You refocus off of whatever is happening to you and you focus on Jesus because he's what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Okay, Skagit, we're going to turn you over to Pastor Bill this week. Thank you so much for walking with Pastor Brian as he's been going through such a difficult time with the loss of his father-in-law. We're praying for you guys. Boca Raton, Florida, we love having you as part of our family. Thank you for being with us. For, the, for those of you joining us online, thanks for joining us. And here in Bellingham, let's go ahead and stand for this closing song. Thanks a lot. <laughs>